All right, let's pray together. God, your word is so awesome. And when it goes out, it never comes back empty-handed. And Lord, right now I pray for your word to go out and touch each of our hearts and call us to truth and obedience, to call us to a display of the gospel that brings glory to you and your name. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Her name was Carrie, and uh, she was just absolutely beautiful. And uh, her eyes, deep blue eyes, I just, whenever she smiled, it was like this. Um, You know, you talk about a smile that lights up a room. Her smile just lit up my whole world. And I would think, I think about it, and I think Carrie was absolutely, positively the most beautiful girl in my whole third grade class. And, you know, whenever there's a girl, a guy has a plan. So I had a plan, all right? When I look at my third grade year, I, I probably spent the better half of, of January just madly in love with Carrie. So I thought, you know, I've got a plan here. We're going to be the only married couple in fourth grade. Um, you know, by the time we get to sixth grade, we're going to be one of those old married couples that Buddy talked about and that they look alike. You know, it was just, it was meant to be. So my plan was this, with Valentine's coming up, and, and you know how it goes. In elementary school, you have the, the class Valentine parties, right? And uh, I decided I was going to go all in, and uh, my mom helped me out. She went and bought that box of Valentine cards at that romantic card place, Winn-Dixie. And uh, I decided I was going to take the big card in the box, the one that's actually for the teacher, and pour out my heart and soul to Carrie and just see where this thing went. So Valentine's Day comes around, and um, I want you to understand the setup of the classroom. This is going to make a lot of sense in a minute, but anyway, there was, the class was set up in a rectangle, okay? And that day, I was sitting on one side of the rectangle, and on the exact opposite side was Carrie, all right? So this is what happens. The teacher says, I've got to leave the room for a second. You guys can read your little Valentine cards that you've put in your little makeshift brown paper bag mailboxes. Yeah, one person knows what I'm talking about. Okay, so we can read those things, but we can't get up out of our seat. We can't, get up, we can't talk because I've got to step into the hall. Okay, so everybody's reading. Everybody's reading. And I look at Carrie, and she opens up the big card, the one from me. And I want to tell you what my little third grade poet poured out. I, I was just thinking, okay, how do I express my feelings to Carrie? So I, I wrote down... Carrie, will you go with me? (laughs) Check one. Yes, no, maybe, right? (laughs) Maybe is the most pathetic thing any person could ever write on a card. But anyway, it's all I had to muster. And I don't even know where we were going as third graders, but I heard the middle schoolers talk about, will you go with me, and we're going with each other. So I thought, hey, there's got to be something to that. So anyway, she opens the card, and she starts reading it. And then she reaches and grabs some of that. You remember that old green striped printer paper? And it had the sides that you could rip off? Okay, I actually found some of that this week. It's hard to find these days. But I want you to see what she held up in front of the whole classroom. Again, we're in a rectangle. She's on one side, on the exact opposite side. This was her answer. Now, I want you to understand, if we were to go back then, there were many, many more exclamation marks that day. And for those of you right now who want to give me a hug, thank you, I appreciate that. Your sympathy is great. But I want you to know it's been a long time, 
and my therapist says, hey, a couple more years, and <laughs> the nightmares may even stop. You know, it's one of those things. But, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, you just feel the heat in your face, the, the embarrassment, the shame, the where's the rewind? How can I go back in time? How can I go back and make sure I never do this again? Right? I, I should not have done this. And it's that feeling of rejection. Oh, what an amazing feeling. And some of you guys are laughing like, yeah, you got rejected. But every one of us in here have been rejected at some point, in some way, in different seasons of our life, to different degrees. Some of you have gone to an audition, you've gone to a tryout, you've gone to an interview, and you were rejected. Remember that feeling? Some of you have gone to uh, a group, a church, a school, a workplace, where you just weren't in the in crowd. You were always looking in, but you weren't really in. And get a little more serious here. Some of you guys, because of the color of your skin, because of your background, you've been rejected. You may have gone to a church where you didn't feel good enough or spiritual enough. And you've got this, this whole thing going on with relationships. And some of you single people, there was this person, this relationship that you thought would eventually come about and it wasn't just months later, but it was years later when it didn't happen. And you felt that rejection. And some of you have been in this awful place where you're sitting there and the divorce papers were slid across the table for you to sign. And the person that vowed in front of everyone till death do his part has rejected you. Everybody feeling that? All of a sudden we went from laughing at John to, wow, there's, there's something I'm relating to here. And I remember that feeling and I don't like that feeling because this is the truth. We've all been rejected. We've all been rejected in some way. We, we've got this tension that we feel. We've got this thing going on in our hearts where you felt the shame, you felt the embarrassment, you wish you could hit rewind and go back and correct that or never do that or whatever, but we felt that rejection and rejection is just such a crazy thing because it, it really kind of comes in different layers. But the first part of rejection is that we just feel like we're not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. And that's one part of rejection. Then another level to it is this. I, I'm just lacking overall. It's not that I'm not enough. It's just I don't even have that. And then there's this, this feeling of complete emptiness. I've got nothing to offer. And none of these things are true. Man, we're in Christ. We have a new identity. But rejection kind of stirs up these lies within our mind, these emotions within us, and we start to wrestle with these things. And then we come to this church, and we have this mission statement that goes up every week. That we want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And that's kind of the rudder that guides the ship. That, that's what makes us determine and decide the things that we do around here. But then there's this vision statement that says we want to be a community that shows the love of Jesus to people experiencing life struggles. And, and what it is, is the mission 
tells us where to go. But once we get there, that destination is this vision that says, hey, we are now a community. We're a community that as we have grown with Christ, as we have been with Christ, as we talked about last week, it's made a difference in us. And it it changes the way that we interact with each other. And in that community now, we are expressing Jesus. And we're giving Jesus to people who are struggling in some way. And I just want to say this, stop right here, that this church, compared to other churches that I've been to, um, I, I think gets an A+. And you guys have been here, you know this, people can come up on this front row and, and just pour out their hearts with just a lot of junk going on. And it's so great to see this church embrace people and surround people and pray for people and walk with people through things. This past Sunday, or a, a week ago today, uh, David Goodson, a, a great guy in this church, celebrated one year being clean, one year of sobriety. Tuesday, our staff took him bowling because that's what he wanted to do to celebrate. It was awesome. Okay? This church embraces people. But the A-plus is not about, I don't want to look at somebody else and see what somebody else is doing. I'm not really worried about what some other church is doing. I want to see what Jesus is doing. I want to have the heart of Jesus. Jesus is the standard. I'm having technical difficulties. We're going to fix this, okay? Thank you guys for being patient with me. Is that better? It's not. At least it's not awkward or embarrassing. (laughs) Jeremy, I... (laughs) So, round two... Did that just happen? I just broke a $500 microphone. (laughs) That'll take two years. He said it's coming out of your paycheck. My punchline was that'll take two years. For those of you who missed that. Okay, so we're talking about what the Bible, something going on. Um, Really, where were we? Oh yeah, we're community. Okay, so... (laughs) I don't want to be part of a community that says the standard is somebody else and I want to be different from them. I want to be a part of a community that says Jesus is the standard and we want to be like him. Not different from somebody else, but like Jesus. Let's get into this. Community is the place where we should find acceptance. As a community, as the ones who have been marked by Jesus, as the ones who have been called out, community is the place where we find acceptance. I want us to look at this. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read a very familiar passage. We actually spent some time in this passage earlier in January of this year when we got started. But Acts 2 verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging in belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had any need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the first picture of the community of God, that they were meeting together. They were devoted to teaching. They wanted to 
to rehash what Jesus had taught them. They wanted to go over that again. They were growing spiritually. They were together praying. They got together on a daily basis to break bread together. This was actually communion and a fellowship meal. It wasn't just enough to have lunch together. It's let's turn this into something that's going to remind us about Jesus. Everything about this, they were growing in their relationship with the Lord. But the the verse I really want to focus on today is one that I know causes some controversy with some people. Verse 45. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And maybe some of you have heard this or maybe some of you have gotten into this that Okay, well, this is an early picture of communism, or no, 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 it's an early picture of capitalism. And I just want to say to either side of that argument, you're missing the point. The point of Scripture is not to prove your point. The point of Scripture is to point to Jesus. And in the middle of this passage, in the middle of what's going on here in this picture of community, we see an amazing picture of Jesus. We see an amazing picture of the gospel that explodes off the pages. I want you to think about this. There were some who were empty. And there were some who had. And the ones who had poured themselves out. They, they made sacrifices and they poured into those who were empty. And I want to stop right here and say this. You will never fill up anyone's life. Only Jesus can do that. But you can definitely pour yourself out for someone. You can be a part of the filling process with them being filled up with Jesus Christ. This is the gospel We were empty of righteousness. We were empty of life. We were empty of being in a right place with God. And Jesus Christ, Philippians 2, emptied himself. Made himself nothing. He he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus emptied himself of all of these things so that we could be filled That's the gospel. And what we see here in verse 45 is the gospel all over again. Guys, community should be a gospel-centered thing. As people who have been marked, the gospel should be our marking. That we pour ourselves out to fill each other up with Jesus. And there's all sorts of ways that people are marked and identified. And I, I just, I need to stop here and rebuke some of you. Because some of you have been marked in a very negative way. And I just want to call you out on that. Okay? And the person who has marked you is me. Because some of you are really, really bad about this. And I want to build you up right now. Okay? Automakers. When they make these cars, you have a steering wheel. And on the left side of the steering wheel is this little stick. Okay? And some of you may think that's a great place to hang your sunglasses. Or whatever, but there's this little stick, and if you push it down, all of a sudden there's this clicking sound, but don't be afraid, it's not a bomb, all right? You push that down, and there's some lights on the inside, but what's happening on the outside of your car is it's illuminating. There's flashing lights on the outside, all right? If you push it down, it goes to the left, and if you push it up, it goes to the right. Now, we live in Montgomery, Alabama, and nobody uses this utensil in their car. Have you guys noticed that? Some of you probably didn't even know it was there. Some of you may have thought, this is illegal, I don't need to do this. It's like a siren, I don't need to let a siren go off on my car. No, no, no. I want everybody to write this down in your outline. This is 
a device. This is a scientific term. It's called a turn signal. Okay? Has anybody ever heard of one of these things before? Again, we live in Alabama. Research shows that me and three other people in Montgomery County actually use these things. And some of you are thinking, that's mighty arrogant of you to say that. And it is, but this, let me tell you proof. A lot of times I back into my driveway, okay, because the next morning I get up at 5 o'clock and go work out, and I don't want to back over the neighbor's dog, even though that dog is evil and sometimes deserves it. But I don't want to back out when I'm groggy and do something like that, so I pull out of my driveway, nothing behind me but my garage, and I use my turn signal. Maybe that's OCD, I don't know, but the point is, how many of you use your turn signal that much? How many of you are willing to confess that you don't use your turn signal? What? Okay, yeah, it's there. I never knew that, but this is the thing, guys. I'm being pretty arrogant, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with this, that we don't use our turn signals, but this is the, the point. That turn signal, it actually has a purpose. It lets people know your direction. Let people know that, hey, I'm about to make a turn, I'm about to speed up, I'm about to slow down. I mean, there's lots of, of signals that can come from this so-called turn signal. And it keeps us from pounding into each other. But this is the deal. When it comes to life, when it comes to things emotionally and spiritually, none of us are using our turn signal. None of us are just going out saying, you know what, I'm still trying to get over this. I'm still trying to grow in this. And I may bump into you. I may cause a little damage. This is what it looks like. Every one of us in here, we're in both driver's seats. We're in both driver's seats because on one side, we're going through a lot of stuff. And I'm guilty. I'm the guy that says things that I shouldn't say sometimes. I fire off the text message or the email or whatever out of anger. I'm that guy. Some of you are in the same club. Others of you are still trying to get over an addiction. Others of you are still walking through some things in your marriage or your finances, and nobody has any idea the weight you're carrying. And none of us are using a turn signal that says, you know, I'm I may bump into you. you know, God's working in my heart, but it may not be to the speed that you want. But then we flip, flip the coin a little bit, and some of us are still on that other side, that arrogant driver's side. It's like, why do you frustrate me so much? Why do you say those things? Why do you do that? Why do you go here? When are you going to finally grow up? We're expecting someone to signal us so that we don't bump into each other. And our pride gets in the way. Now, this is the thing. Both driver's seats, occupied by all of us at some point or another, are in desperate need of grace. Desperate need of patience. I want us to look at Romans chapter 15. I love this passage. And this is a, a verse, uh, what we're going to look at. Um, Paul is actually praying. And he's praying for something to happen among God's people. He says, may God, that's the prayer, who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you, this is my prayer for you, that you come together and live like Jesus wants you to live. And what's, How does that happen? Verse 7. Therefore, accept each other. 
just as Christ accepted you so that God will be given glory. Accept each other as Christ accepted you. Well, this, this is the issue. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still dysfunctional, while we were still quirky, while we were still trying to get our act together, is when Jesus died for us. And now Paul says, you accept each other with all your dysfunction and all of your addictions and all of your problems and all of your immaturity and all of your weirdness, all of your sickness, all of your not having it togetherness. You accept each other as Christ accepted you. And let's, be, let's stop here. This is not all warm fuzzy. This is not, hey, just love everybody. We're all hippies and we get along. This is sometimes Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. And, and yes, we extend grace, but with that comes truth. And we point people into the direction of obedience. We point people into the direction of holiness. We point people to God. This is the problem. Sometimes we want to give people truth so that they will stop offending us. We need to give people truth so that they will stop offending God. There's a big difference. That's why we do it with humility and with grace and with love. You know, a few weeks ago, um, our youth ministry staff had one of those question and answer times with our teens. You know, just going through some of the basic questions of, of life and what does this look like and... Um, one of the questions came up, and this, I think, is probably the most popular question in youth ministry. How far is too far? Right? You've heard that. If you've ever been around teenagers at all, that's a popular question. How far is too far? And it's not that, I'm just going to be honest. All you teenagers in here, I'm going to just be honest with you guys. Nobody's looking with that question to say, how can I honor God? You're looking for permission or freedom from guilt. And this is what happens. We grow we get older, we get different areas in our lives, and we do the same thing. How far is too far? How far do I really have to go into accepting other people? I mean, don't you know what their real sin struggle is? Don't you know what they've really done? Don't you know what they really think? Do I have to accept them? Okay, Jesus went to the cross to show acceptance. When you go that far, that's far enough. How far is too far? When you go past the sacrifice and the holiness of the cross, you've gone too far. But the fact of the matter is, guys, none of us have gone that far. And yes, this makes me feel uncomfortable too. There's a lot of people that I need to be showing grace to. There's a lot of people that we all need to be showing grace to. If we if we don't allow um, the gospel just to invade our community, invade our church, then honestly, we just kind of water things down to friendship. I've got some friends at church. I've got some friends in my small group. That's not what this is about. Community does not stop at friendship. It displays the gospel. 
Community does not stop at friendship. It doesn't stop at, oh, he's an encourager. He's somebody I can call on when I need some help. Community does not just stop there. Those are some great uh, byproducts that come along with it. But community is about a display of the gospel. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. As Christ emptied himself out for you, you do that for others so that people will see Jesus. So that people will be drawn to Jesus. That's what our community is about. So when we withhold friendship and love and accountability and the things that really make up community, because somebody is difficult, because somebody's a little awkward, or maybe we feel a little uncomfortable, what we're really saying is we've kind of lost touch with the gospel. I've heard a lot of people say this, you know, that person offended me. What they did, what they said, where they went, what they wore. All of these things, we have a list full of reasons why that person offended me. If you are that easily offended, and if that many people owe you an apology, then this is the thing, you've forgotten the gospel. You have forgotten the state in which you came to Christ and that he accepted you. And you're expecting a turn signal when you should be extending grace. So what does this look like? Accept one another as Christ accepted you. That's obviously a memory verse, but it's that one thing that I just want to pound in everybody's head this morning. This is the gospel for us. This is the gospel for others through us. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. November of 2006, I went on a mission trip to Siberia. Yeah. Kevin lived in Russia. He knows. Okay. I was so disappointed. I'm going to have a conversation with Kevin right now. You guys can listen if you want, but... I was disappointed because I love snow. The first day we get there, no snow. Yeah. In November. Yeah, it was late that season. Is everybody listening? So the second day we were there, it started snowing. It didn't stop till April. So that's Siberia for you. It was wonderful. I, I hated to leave. But uh, Thanksgiving Day we were there, it was a degree. One degree. All right. For me, it's like, this is heaven. I love it. I love it. But we uh, went to work, a team of about eight of us went to work with an orphanage and an after-school program. And a buddy of, of mine and myself, we were fortunate enough, blessed enough, we actually were housed in the orphanage with about 40 to 50 orphans. We stayed there with them for about 10 days. And I just fell in love with these kids. I wanted to show you a picture of seven of them. These are the ones that I was trying to figure out how to get my luggage and bring back. That, that wouldn't have been good, you know. That get them back in these little Russian orphan sickles. That would, you don't put kids in a luggage compartment on a plane. But anyway, um, the last night we were there, we were saying our goodbyes and a lot of tears, a lot of hugs. And then I noticed these kids just started disappearing. But then they were going to their rooms, and then they would come back, and one of them had a little stuffed cat. One of them had a little teddy bear. One of them had a big teddy bear. One gave me a greeting card. I think it was a Valentine card. It had nothing written on it, but they just knew this is an expression of appreciation. So here's a greeting card. One gave me a, a little dolphin keychain. And what was happening was these little kids, I want you to understand in Russia... An orphan, basically the mindset toward 
orphans is this. If your parents didn't want you, neither do we. That's what culture, that's what society thinks about the orphans in Russia. So these kids were coming to us and they didn't have much, but they gave us everything. And they were showing us unconditional love. They were showing us unconditional acceptance. Through a teddy bear. Through a keychain. And what I want us to see is when we as a church can realize, I don't have much, but I'm going to empty myself of everything that I have for my brothers and sisters in Christ. We are putting on full display the gospel of Jesus Christ who had everything and poured himself out for us. And what I want us to see, guys, these kids showed me, I talked to you earlier about being rejected. These kids showed me what it is to be accepted. These kids showed what it means, go ahead to the next slide, Gene, what it means to be fully accepted in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel poured out toward us. But this is also the gospel poured out through us. We're going to do something right now. We're going to go into a time of communion together. And Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew 5. He said, you know, if you've got, if you know that somebody has an issue with you, You leave your gift at the altar and you go and reconcile and then you come back. The idea here is before we go into an act of worship, if there's something between you, make things right so that worship really is genuine and sincere. We're going to sing about four songs. And uh, around the room... There are tables set up with communion. And we do this exercise from time to time. And, and I'm, I'm just going to say this. Some of you have this habit of, hey, that's the table closest to me. I guess I'll go there. But maybe today is the day you go across the room. Because there's somebody you need to reconcile with. There's somebody you need to show acceptance towards. There's On each table, there's a little index card and some pens. And if you want to use that to write a note of encouragement... You may need to write, I'm sorry, and hand it to somebody. You may need to write, I forgive you. I don't know what it is that you need to do. And maybe that person's not even here, so you can't go there. But if it's a prayer, if it's it's leaning over into somebody's ear and just making a confession, I've got to get this right this week. The table is where we come to be reconnected on a weekly basis with the acceptance of Jesus Christ towards us. The table is where we come to experience the gospel. And today, we go not to just receive it, but to extend it. And you know what's in your heart. You know what needs to be made right. So before we share in communion together, let's share grace with each other. And with that, if any of you have something that you just really need the prayers of this church about, you can come up here. We're going to pray with you, pray for you.
and minister to you in any way that we can. I want us to pray uh, and give thanks for the bread and the cup, and then Paul will lead us. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome in all that you do. You are not lacking. And Lord, in your perfection, in your majesty, in your glory, through Jesus Christ, you emptied yourself of all of that so that the great exchange could take place in our lives, so that we could receive righteousness and life to be made right with you, so that we could fully receive your acceptance. And Father, right now, I pray that we can celebrate and remember through the bread and the cup, but Lord, extend that to one another. Lord, we thank you for the community that you have brought us into, that we are no longer rejected. We are fully accepted in Christ. And Father, right now, I pray that we can show others full acceptance, that we can show mercy and grace and point them in truth towards you. So that as Paul prayed, in all things, you would be glorified and Jesus would be known as the Savior and hope of the world. Thank you for this bread. Thank you for this cup. Thank you for this family that we share it with. In Jesus' name, amen.